0: (laughs) I love that dial-up sound, right? It used to be so frustrating, like if you're like, oh But now it's kind of awesome. So um, our series is outdated, unfashionable beliefs that are still true, and this is outdated, okay? I want to thank Blue Ridge Prop Department. Uh, They let me have this, and actually this afternoon at 2 o'clock, their last showing of Beauty and the Beast over at Blue Ridge, so... Um, you are welcome to go there. Yeah, two of our own are, are the two of the lead roles. Isabel Edwards is Belle, um, and then her brother Micah is Gaston, and it is hilarious to see them bicker as, anyway, um, but so, so that's over there, um, but we're talking about beliefs that are unfa- unlike, unlike clothing and fashion. Beliefs do not go out of style, just because people don't like it anymore, just because it's something that 2 plus 2 was true thousands of years ago, that it equals 4, and it's true today, right? Beliefs don't go out of style, and so we're looking at truth from God's Word and beliefs that are still uh, relevant to us today and still true, even though they may not be popular. And the one we're looking at today talked about hell last week, and... I came away with that. I'm not like a confrontational person. And I'm also a very positive, optimistic person. But I came from the message last week away from that thinking, I need to preach on hell more often. Like it is one of the most compassionate subjects that we can talk to people about. And, and it's not popular, and it's unfashionable. If you missed it, go online to bridgewater.church and watch that. But today we're going to talk about a belief that is even more unpopular and more unfashionable. In fact, I believe this belief has been attacked more than any other belief of the Christian faith. And it starts right at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What? You can't get more unfashionable than that. And it is because of the state religion in the United States of America. America has a state religion that is promoted and that is accepted in the public sphere and other religions are uh, just mocked and just marginalized in the public sphere. America's state religion is the religion of most of the influencers in music and storytelling and Hollywood. It is the religion of most of those who are in power politically. It is the religion of most of those who who teach at universities and and who are the CEOs of, of the biggest companies in America. And what is the most popular religion and the state religion of the United States of America? It is not Christianity. It's something that you can describe as secularism, which means it's the belief that God doesn't have anything to do with everyday life. Now, a lot of secularists believe in God. They're not atheists. Very few Americans, it's like 5%, maybe, you know, that that are atheists in the United States. I mean, most most Americans are not atheists, but most are secularists. And we want to relegate God to church. We can keep him in that little box. But we don't want him to have anything to do with everyday life. And so when it comes to the beginning of all things, if we, can, if we can show or if we can prove that in the beginning God did not create the heavens and the earth and the whole rest of the Bible, you just throw it away. If the foundation of it isn't true. And um, this is what God's word says. It says God created everything out of nothing. You need to understand Genesis 1-1 was written over 3,000 years ago. In a time where most people, when they were talking about how did the world begin, they say, well, the, there was this turtle, and the world began on the back of a turtle. Or there's actual creation myths. They say, well, uh, this God, you know, killed this other God, and the world is what exists on the dead body of this other God. That's how the world was created. Or, or this God spit, and, and that spit became the world. Okay, that's why there's so much water on earth right? And th- these are what ancient peoples believed, how things were created, and yet the Genesis account is very different and, and um, very compelling. Here's some other verses besides Genesis 1.1 that talk about how God created the world. This is throughout uh, Scripture, many places. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And in Colossians, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And of course, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So here's an interesting thing about science. And I do want to say today, the word science is sometimes used to mean, shut up and just believe what I'm telling you. And that's not how science works. In fact, the phrase settled science is an oxymoron. Science is never settled. The whole point of science is to ask questions and to and to, to see if, if something is true and to probe it and to study it. And to and so here's something that science does say, though: the law of conservation of mass. It is a law, it's not a theory. Law of conservation of mass says matter cannot be created or destroyed. This is very basic, one of the most fundamental principles of physics and science. And what that means, as far as creation, it means nothing exists in this universe unless someone or something outside this universe brought it into existence. There's, there's, there's no other options. And so what scientists say who have religious beliefs, everyone on, every human being is religious. Every human being has, has a way of answering questions that cannot be answered by science. And, and the religious beliefs of people who religiously don't believe in a God, they have to make something else up that, that is outside of any observable science. And so they make up things like, and it's helpful to use big words. It sometimes helps people think you know what you're talking about. A quantum fluctuation in nothingness. That's how everything began. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean by faith something happened that we can never prove and just everything came to exist. Does that break every law known to science? Absolutely. But I have to believe in it. Because if I don't, then maybe I have to believe in a God. And that goes against my religious beliefs. And because if there's a God, then maybe I'm answerable to him. And I don't want that either. And so all sorts of things. You can, they, go, they get inspiration from comic books. You know, they talk about, you know, um, multiverses and an extra dimensional you know what what, what are they because th- this is a stated fact of science and how do we get around that and not believe in a god and i think it takes more faith to believe this world came about by chance and accident than it does to believe that god in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth so genesis goes on and not only does it say that god created everything but it says that he created plants and animals to reproduce after their own kind. Genesis 1, verse 11 says, Then God said, Let the land, this is day three of creation, produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seeds in it according to their various kinds, and it was so. And we know this. Uh, pine trees do not produce apples, right? Ferns do not grow mushrooms right? Everything reproduces as far as plants go after their own kind, and this is true of animals. On day six, God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. And again, this even more than God created the heavens and the earth, this is a hated, detestable, um, more attacked belief than any other in all of Christianity by secular people of that type of religion, because it strikes at the heart of of their worldview and their religious beliefs. But here's what science says, the law of biogenesis, life cannot originate from non-life. In fact, you go way back when people wore stuff like this, and they thought maggots on meat just spontaneously appeared until the 1600s when um, William Harvey in 1668 proved fly maggots came from eggs they came from flies. And he proved that. And so they're like, oh. But then even into the 1800s, they believed that microorganisms, uh, they're impossibly small. You can't see them with the naked eye. You need a microscope to see them. Certainly they are so simple and so tiny that they could just pop up in, in thin air because it seemed like that. I mean, there's so... But Louis Pasteur in 1864, he found that even viruses and bacteria and microorganisms obey the law of biogenesis. They cannot arise from non-life. The interesting thing about this is when did Charles Darwin publish The Origin of the Species? Five years before. And so when he published it, it scientifically people were saying, ah, yeah, that could happen. Cells are so simple. And, but then five years later, Louis Pasteur proved that that's impossible. He disproved the origin of the species five years after it was written. So why do we still believe it? Because people want to believe. Because people by faith must believe in order for their religion of secularism to be true. Because if you don't believe that, then you have to believe in a God and in a designer and an intelligence behind the creation. In fact, um, Francis Crick was a uh, DNA, he helped discover, he was a co-discoverer of the DNA double helix, um, atheist. This is an atheist, very knowledgeable in biology, obviously. Um, Here's what he said, an honest man, armed with the knowledge available to us now, could only state that in some sense the origin of life appears at the moment to be almost a miracle. couple things. He says at the moment. Why? Because he has faith that someday, somehow, science will prove that the law of biogenesis isn't true. That life can't originate from non-life. We just don't know enough. And maybe if we know more, the problem is as science has marched along, it's become even less probable and even less possible as we discover, you know, back, back in uh, Darwin's time, they thought the cell was just this blob of, of matter and easily made. And then fast forward, uh, you know, a hundred years in the, 18, in the 1950s and 60s, they would say, you know what, they found out cells were like uh, a machine, this huge machine with working parts. And then a little bit later, they discovered, well, no, cells aren't like a machine. It's like an entire factory of machines, And then now they say, well, cells aren't like a factory of machines. They're like an entire city. One simple, tiny, most basic, fundamental block of life is like an entire city with transportation systems and defense systems and and, and building systems, and all these different systems that work. In fact, DNA, when it was first discovered, it was like, now we have the dictionary of life, and, and we, have, you know, we have it all figured out. We got the dictionary, and then years later, they were like, well, maybe we have an alphabet, and we have no idea what the words mean and none of their definitions and how they interact with each other. We have no way of, of, of in, in a sense, reading a sonnet you know, of the human body, let alone, you know, we, don't, we hardly know the alphabet. And so the complexity of life, he says, at the moment it seems almost a miracle. So many are the conditions which would have to have ha- been satisfied to get it going. So science at this point, and again, I don't believe God's word because of what science says. I believe God's word, and it's interesting to me that science backs it up. And at this point, science says it's impossible outside of a God Outside of an intelligence for any life to originate, but the Bible says more than that when he creates animals to reproduce after their own kind, not only does that mean that all life was created by God, but that creatures don't evolve, they reproduce after their own kind and And this again, if some some will some will give you this, they're like, yeah, that's impossible. We'll give you this, but God started off life, but then 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 we can. We can throw God out and ignore God because, again, God has nothing to do with everyday life. This is an important religious belief of many people. But here's the thing about that. There is not one instance of evolution anywhere. And if you know of any, let me know. There's all sorts of things given there, like, oh, the white and black moths, right? If you learn this in school, how, how most of the moths were, were white in England and then, and actually only a few of them were black, and then because of all the soot over all the trees, most of the moths became black instead of white. And they're like, evolution! It's not evolution. Is it evolution if someone passes a law and says everyone with black hair is going to be killed, and then generation after generation, eventually there's more people with red hair, Well, that's that's not because of evolution. That diversity was there already. And what it is is specialization and adaptation. All dogs came from a common ancestor. Absolutely. Dogs reproduce after their own kind. And and Chihuahuas and Great Danes, they look very different. Or how about these? A Doberman Pinscher and a Laza Apso. This is not evolution. And evolutionists will tell you that's not evolution. That's not evolution. That's specialization. That's adaptation because there was this, this amount of genetic information, and then, and then a lot of it was lost and, and taken away in order to get a dog with super long hair that looks cute and is probably helpless in the wild, right? <laughs> or to get a dog that maybe doesn't look so cute, but you wouldn't want to mess with in the wild, right? And, and all these things, it's, it's adaptation, and it's specialization, it's not the introduction of new information, and, and so, everything reproduces after its own kind. And that, here these are ligers. A lion and a tiger mate, and you get a liger. What does that mean? Well, if they can reproduce after their own kind, that means there is a common ancestor of tigers and lions, and possibly other large cats. And, and I don't know what a kind is, but the Bible says everything reproduce after their own kind. And there's all sorts of specialization. Dogs is amazing like that. Here's the thing about a lot of these breeds that are so specialized and adapted. They're genetically inferior to mutts, right? They, they, they live shorter lives. Sometimes they have serious... Um, Chronic physical problems that are inherent to certain breeds. Why? Because the amount of information that was in the original dog was huge, and they, they lost information in order to, to, you know, get a certain type of dog. And so it's not evolved. If anything, it's devolved. There's less information there, less ability to adapt because it's been so specialized. That is not evolution. In fact, even Charles Darwin on the Galapagos Islands, he pointed to the, the flightless cormorant and said, see, evolution, it lost its ability to fly. Is that really an improvement? In fact, one of the things about evolution, time is a magic wand, right? If you just say millions of years, if you just say billions of years, you can have anything happen. But the truth is, time is the enemy of evolution because over time, good Mutations don't build over time. Bad mutations build, and so the 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 whole um, survival of the fittest and natural selection that that kind of eliminates some of the bad copies. But eventually, copy of a copy of a copy, it doesn't get better. It gets deteriorated, and they get worse, like eyeless fish. Right? That wasn't an evolutionary thing. They lost the ability to see, lost the ability to fly, and um, so God. Created everything to reproduce after its own kind, um, and if if again afterward, if you have one instance of evolution, here's one of the things, even the fossil record. There there's a rise to, and I don't want to. I'm almost done. So some of you you hate science. You're like, please move on. <laughs> All right, even the fossil records they talk about gaps, right? Because what you have is creatures without any eyes, and then you have a creature with a fully formed eye that is so incredibly complex, and there's no steps in between. You know, you have, and this happens over and over again in the fossil record, and it's led, led to something that evolutionists call punctuated equilibrium, which basically means not slow changes over time, because that's not what the fossil record says. It's, it's something doesn't have legs, and boom, fully formed, functioning legs. Something can't fly, and boom, Wings that actually fly, something can't see, and boom, you have eyes. And, and so, this, and they admit it's impossible. We don't know, the way they say it is, we don't know the mechanism to which this happens, but we know it has to have happened because there is no God, and we have to believe that it happened. It's a very circular argument. So, um, moving on though, the third thing, and this is the most important thing that Genesis chapter 1 teaches us, and that is that God created people to be special, and by special I mean of infinite value, even compared to the rest of creation. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the sky, and over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Um, In fact, in Revelation chapter 11, it's interesting, it says this, the nations were angry, Revelation 11:18. and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for awarding your servants, the prophets and your saints, and those who reverence your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. God will not only judge us by how we respond to him and by how we treat other people, but God will judge us by how we treat the earth, and he will destroy those who destroy the earth. Because in the beginning, God said, man is different, and I'm going to put him in charge of the world. And lo and behold, what, what, what does it look like? It looks like man's in charge of the world. And, and people are special because people are made in the image of God. We have the ability to have moral choices, and we have the ability to love. You cannot love without the possibility of giving someone the ability to hate. This is why your computer doesn't love you, right? Because your computer cannot choose, right? It does what it's programmed to do, and in a lesser way, in a very complex way, in a beautiful and wonderful way, animals are the same. If a fox gets into a hen house and kills every chicken in that shed, is that evil? No, no. It's just doing what it was programmed to do. That's what it's supposed to do. It's not evil or bad. If a, if a person goes into a hen house and kills every single chicken there and leaves them, is that wrong? Yes. Why? Because people are different. People can choose between right and wrong. And, and so this is actually the reason why the entire book of Job, not, not the only reason, but one of the things the book of Job teaches God is with Satan in heaven. Satan comes up into heaven and God says to Satan, hey, have you considered Job? He is a righteous man. He does what's right. He honors me. He loves me. And Satan says, he says, that's because you've blessed him. You see, if you don't believe in a God, if you believe in secularism, logically you believe that human beings have no choice because there is just this random blow up of matter And one random chunk of matter collided in another random chunk of matter and it collided with the other and on and on. It's like a pool ball. The pool stick hits the white ball. The white ball hits the the green ball. The green ball ricochets off the wall and hits, right? Everything is determined from the beginning. From the very beginning, we are just random clumps of matter that are bouncing off and responding to the circumstances around us and we have no choice. And this is why criminals shouldn't be punished because it's not their fault. It was their parents' fault and it wasn't their parents' fault either. It was their grandparents' fault and it wasn't their grandparents' fault. And ultimately, nobody's responsible for anything because if secularism is true and there is no God, then we have no free will. Anything that looks like it is just an illusion. But in the book of Job, God disproves this because he allows Satan to change the circumstances. And Satan takes away Job's health and, and kills all his children and, 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 and takes all of his possessions away so that he's totally broke with, with no, no children anymore, and, and his friends aren't, aren't really friends, so he has no friends and he has no health, and he blesses God, and he honors God. And God says, see, people are different people are special. People have a choice. In fact, this is one of the reasons why people love dogs so much, because it's safe. If you raise a dog and love a dog and feed a dog and are nice to a dog, what will it do? It will love you. If you feed a person and raise a person from a baby (laughs) and are nice to a person, what will they do? we have no idea what they will do, right? They could bite you, like, why? Because people can choose. Dogs are programmed, and they will do what they're programmed to do. Same thing with cats, cats are just different. They're programmed differently than dogs, but they will also do what they're programmed to do, right? But people are special, and this is why we need to live our lives for people. Not for stuff, not even for animals, but, but for people. Who are you? You know, the kids, as they're dismissed uh, later on, just a couple minutes, they're, they're, they're going to have invite packs for their friends. To give to a friend, to invite them next Sunday to Palm Sunday or to invite them to Easter. There'll be a little candy in there, a little time for the services, some other stuff that they can go to their friends and invite them. Why are we doing this? Because every single child will live for an eternity. And every single child is made in the image of God and is godlike, and every single adult is as well. And how are you going to live? Who are you praying for? Who are you loving? Who's far from God and who needs God in the light of, of the message last Sunday about, about the reality of hell? Who, who are you wanting to impact and reach for Jesus Christ? Um, And and so, as you do that, I want to say, when you talk to people, talk to them like they're special. This whole thing was not so you can go up to someone who doesn't believe in in the creation account and maybe is a secularist or believes in evolution and say, hey, listen to this. It'll show how stupid you are. Okay, that's not not the point. I I, I did that earlier just to, to help you to realize that the Christian faith is not intellectually bankrupt okay there's an intellectual foundation there's a logic and a reason behind what the bible teaches that's really pretty solid and and the other thing that's interesting about messages like this i preached something similar to this a couple years ago and i met with a man years later and he said that changed my life so all his life he had gotten hundreds if not thousands of hours of brainwashing and teaching about evolution about you know, the Big Bang, and all of this stuff. And in 30 minutes, he became convinced it was all a lie. Is that, so that's how powerful truth is. You, you, it's not a fair fight, okay? Our, our children in school and maybe what you've been educated as, you can watch movie after video, after, after documentary, after textbook, after textbook, and they all over and over and over again... Talk about the lies of secularism and, and evolution and, and you know, how life just poof popped into existence out of nowhere and breaking the laws of biogenesis. And you can have hundreds of hours of brainwashing like that and you get exposed for just 30 minutes, just five minutes to the truth and you can realize, wow, that's true. But how will they hear if no one tells them? The Bible says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And this is good news because the, the logical, moral implications of secularism lead to incredibly depressing, awful truths. That's not to say that everybody who believes them is depressed. It's not to say everyone who believes them is immoral. That's not true. A lot of very moral people believe this, but it's not because of what it means. It's in spite of the implications of secularism. Um, I want to just close. I'm surprised I have time for this. I want to just read uh, the testimony of one of the individuals getting baptized in the next service. And and just as I do this, I want you to think about who God wants you to use to impact and change someone's life. And then I'm going to close with a salvation prayer. If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never said, you know what, not only does God real, not only did he create everything, but if that's true, then he needs to be my Lord and Master. And Jesus died for me, and I need to ask him to forgive me of my sins. And if you've never done that, I'm going to invite you to do that. But Mike Stone, he writes this, Growing up, I sang in the church choir and went to a Methodist church with my mother, brother, and occasionally our stepfather. However, my mother, brother and myself all suffered from my stepfather's abuse, and I also dealt with abandonment issues because of my estranged father, and my brother and I would try to get some reprieve by sending summers with our grandparents, only to suffer abuse from the hands of our grandfather instead. But I had some things going for me. I was fairly intelligent, excelled in football, but my hopes and dreams were dashed when I got a ride to school one morning, was in a severe auto accident, that I barely survived. Instead of being grateful for living, I was angry. My cognitive function was hindered as a result of the traumatic brain injury and I was no, able to, no longer able to play sports. I thought I lost the only thing I had going for me and I wish i died. It drove me away from God. I kicked Jesus out of my life and I threw away the key, or so I thought. I went on for many years trying different religions to find something better. And eventually, just dismissed all religions as man-made constructs. I was stumbling through life, made bad choice after bad choice, thinking I could be the master of my fate, and getting more and more discouraged when my decisions only seemed to bring me ruined. For years, I woke up every morning wondering if today was the day I would finally end it all. I dropped out of college, was out of work, overweight, In a loveless marriage, I desperately wanted to make work. I felt isolated and alone, and I'll skip ahead, but um, his wife left him for another man. He says, I went back home, and I started going to church again because my grandmother wanted wanted me to join her on Sundays. Although I didn't want to, I also didn't want to disappoint her, and so I went. I remember at first feeling so out of place as I walked in and heard that first sermon, but at the same time feeling like the preacher was preaching directly at me. I believe he went to Bridgewater Halstead. And this is, this is a grandma who, who just wanted, his whole life was changed because he had a grandma who said, Would you go to church with me? He said, uh, Um,. After the service and for every service I attended thereafter, I was embraced by the people like family. They made me feel like I'd come home. I still had resentment toward God and was still agnostic, but my heart was starting to soften. You know, after the service, we're going to have desserts for the baptism people, so there's spots for you to write cards to them and encourage them. And I just encourage you, if you're here today, stay and talk. And if you're watching online, Call someone on the phone. Talk to someone about what, maybe in your home, about what you've learned, about what they believe, about what's going on in their life. Say, hey, how can I pray for you? What, what's going on in your life? So important. Had such an impact on Mike. And so he, he said, uh, he's wrestling with this, and he went to his big brother to seek an outside opinion. My big brother is a self-described militant atheist. And his opinion was that I was lying to myself saying that I wasn't a Christian. He convinced me whether or not Amber, my girlfriend and I got together, I may as well quit living in denial and admit that I was a Christian. And I brought this up with my girlfriend Amber afterwards, along with the struggle that being a Christian meant more than just believing in Jesus's philosophy. It meant accepting Jesus as the Son of God and as my Lord and Savior. And so it took Amber sharing her story with me for me to finally accept Jesus again, and pray a surrender prayer. That was on March twenty second, 2019. And since then, I've been trusting God to lead me through this life, been trying to lean more on him and his word, and do the best job that I can to follow Jesus. There's been trials, but it's an easier to get through those trials with Jesus. If you've given up on Jesus, you need to know that he hasn't given up on you. And so he's going to be here in the next service to, to publicly tell everyone there that he is going to continue to follow christ with his life what about you people are special are you going to live for jesus are you going to live you know if you love god with all your heart guess who else you love you'll love your neighbor as yourself who does god want you to impact who does god want you to love and to reach for him let's pray together heavenly father i just thank you for your word i thank you for your truth And I ask that you would help each and every person here to not just believe it, but to give their life to you. And Lord, uh, I know there's many here that have prayed this prayer before, but perhaps there's one person that would want to pray this for the first time. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I have done things wrong that have hurt you, have hurt other people, and I cannot be good enough to pay for my sin and so I just ask that Jesus when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago that he would pay for my sins that he would die for me and God out of gratitude I want to give you my life I want to follow you from this day forward Lord help me to to never to never quit just to keep going, loving you, loving my neighbor, following you from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.